The Super 90s Brothers is brought to you by Speak Spokane and presented to you by Delicious Hamburgers. This episode of the Super 90s Brothers was brought to you by Giant Donut Marketing. Did you know you can hire a website developer, marketing director, and SEO specialist for 250 bucks a month? It's true. With Giant Donuts marketing, site maintenance, and paid advertising plans, you get access to the experts you need for one monthly price. See what they can do for you by reaching out to them on their website at giantdonutmarketing.com or any of their social channels. Mention you heard about them here on Super 90s Brothers for special promotions. Go check them out today. Super 90s Bros is brought to you in partnership with Delicious Hamburgers. Why Delicious? Since 1998, Delicious has been providing Spokane's best burgers. Why? Because at Delicious, the burgers are never frozen. Why? Because it tastes better. Delicious prides itself on fresh beef, fresh veggies, and made-to-order fries. And with a variety of sauces all made in-house each day, you can trust that everything is meticulously handmade the same way it has been since 1998. So what are you waiting for? Delicious is located at 1625 North Division Street. Delovable, delightable, delectable, delicious. Welcome to the Super 90s Brothers, where we do hazy memory riffs of the best decade ever. I'm your host, Brennan. Along with me is Adam J. Pitzler. How's it going, buddy? That's how they get you. They're under the goddamn ground. And today we're talking about tremors. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a movie I watched the other day. So, uh, how are you doing, though? Oh, I'm superfluous. I don't know. Superf- well, I don't have an su- adjective to describe how great I feel covering Tremors on our podcast here in 2021. After watching this, it's a movie that changed my life when I first watched it. I'm just there's a little tease. I'm going to go on kind of a big speech later about how much I love this movie. But my little tease is this movie kind of changed my life. Wow, that's that's amazing. I. This is the first. This is one of the first times ever that you love something and I hate it. So um, I like it. <laughs> you hate Tremors? I don't hate it. I just I watched it the other day and I was just like, eh, eh, eh. Oh, um, you got to bring your opinions today because I want to like fight you. <laughs> um, you're wearing a headband. Why are you wearing a headband? I'm at the look. It's COVID and I don't get regular haircuts. I'm at that awkward phase where my hair is really long. It's 9 a.m. and I haven't like done it all up yet and i'm like i'm self-conscious because we're we have video screens now where we can see each other and even though we're not like on youtube or anything brennan can see how i look and i care about brennan's opinion of me uh i mean i it doesn't i mean i was just i thought it was a it's a good look for you i'm gonna take a picture of it um there uh adam you have some you you're lamenting something from our last episode yeah i you know I feel a little guilty about how the Sister Act podcast came out because I felt like I went very, like, I felt like I was very straight-laced. I wasn't like my normal self where I'm going off in every tangent. And, like, when I was re-listening to it, I, I realized I missed a huge opportunity for our podcast, and that's that we didn't discuss whether or not you think nuns can be sexy. Oh, 
Hundred percent. I, I that my name. I always put my put a name from a character I like in the movie, and I, I thought the the one nun, the young nun. I thought she's she's sexy. Okay. Yeah, you did say that. The one who couldn't sing. You liked her. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But like in general, not like traditional, like real religious nuns, mm. but the idea of like Halloween nun, like sexy, oh, nun, sexy nun, or like nun. a bad. Mm. Like there's like this uh there's this death metal band that I've gotten so into the last few years called Ghost. I oh. think they're from Sweden. Mm-hmm. And I went to see their concert in Seattle with my folks about a year ago. It was the first of all, it was the best concert I've ever been to because it, it was just this amazing light show and choreography and all that. And they're like fans, like the men dress up as like sort of like creepy cardinals and priests and shit. And a lot of the women dress up as like these really sexy sort of like Satan worshiping nuns. Mm. And it was like, it was, it was a little distracting when I was at the concert. I see. I mean, I'm definitely, I mean, I, I could see being attracted to it like a sexy nun. I'm not like having Abby like dress up as a sexy nun, like for, you know, the bedroom. Well, yeah. Like well, yeah. I should say yeah. I was a priest this last Halloween. We did like a murder mystery party and my character was a priest mm. and Jill was like kind of into the costume. Oh, mm. and, and you know, she grew up kind of a, she was in Catholic school. So, oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, you did not grow up in Catholic school, so... No, I grew up in pagan school. <laughs> uh, um, well, let's uh, let's get into this 90s classic horror movie. I don't know if you call it a horror movie. I guess it's a horror movie. It's a horror comedy. It's horror. one of the first and best true horror comedies. Yeah, so we're, this, is, this is it. And this is actually our, our friend and loyal listener, Adam. Remind me his last name. Uh, Lang. Adam Lang, he has asked us to do this for like the last like two months, and uh, thank you for this. I thank you for this trip down memory lane. Yeah, I gotta tell you, Adam Lang, though, I was way ahead of you on this. Like, uh, I I've got like my debut story. I'm gonna tell you here in a minute, but I I am so with you, Adam Lang. Tremors is just the shit. I just think it's I think it's almost a perfect movie. Um, it debuted at the very, very fucking beginning of the nineties, January 19th, 1990. So we're all of three weeks in to the nineties at this point, beginning of the year movie, um, budget of 10 million, only box office 16 million. So not a big box office success or anything. It was one of those movies that really grew through popularity once it hit video and word of mouth and cult and genre people like myself started getting into it. And like it, it, it became kind of like a ground swell mm-hmm. that got more and more and led to sequels and we'll get into all that. But um, do you remember how old you were when you first saw it? Cause I have a pretty good first scene at story. I have, I, you know, I didn't see this in the movie theater. I was too young. So I would have been and it was 1990. So I would have been like six, six, seven. Um, actually, I would have just turned seven. This came out. This came out a week after my birthday, and um, I definitely saw this on VHS. Like it was, and it's a movie that I went back to a lot, a lot to when I was a kid, and it was on. It was on TV a lot as a you know through the, throughout the nineties. Uh, but any like real experience of like watching this, like no, not really. All right, let me tell mine. Okay, I was at a a friend's birthday party. And there was only like three of us, right? It was like one of those, like, it's like your son's turning seven. He invites like a couple friends over for like a slumber party, right? And it wasn't a f- close friend. His name was Travis. I played baseball with his older brother. His older brother was on my team, but he was in my grade. Travis was. So like me and one other kid and him, we like, 
we like went to his house and we got pizza and his mom kind of planned out the night for us by getting us pizza. And they had just gotten some new waterbed that they were like really proud of. And this was like 1990, remember? So like waterbeds were still a thing. But waterbeds are so impractical and stupid, by the way. Brennan, have you ever had a waterbed? I had a waterbed and I had a waterbed until I was like in high school. <laughs> like throughout the entire 90s i had a waterbed my parents had waterbeds uh we had two waterbeds downstairs for my brothers like for whatever reason we were a waterbed family waterbeds are so uncomfortable so uncomfortable. you like you can't first of all you can't lay on your stomach you can't Mm-mm. and i i sleep on my stomach i always have like since i was a baby according to my mom so waterbeds were never for me i just had a realization that's oh. why I sleep on my side because I slept on a waterbed my entire life. You can't sleep on your back either on a waterbed because you kind of like toss, like you kind of go with the flow. And so I always slept on my side, and that's why I sleep on my side today. Huh. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You just had like I feel like Doctor Melfi in The Sopranos. You just had like a Tony Soprano moment where you like you're like, oh, it's my mother's fault. Yes, it is. Everything's my mother's fault. I, we like Judy though, so we we'll give her yeah. some slack. <laughs> um, so anyway, long. Oh, the waterbed story. Yeah. So I'm at this kid's house. We're like seven years old. And for some reason, the mom rents us trimmers. Looking back on this odd fucking choice, right? It's three kids at a seven-year-old's birthday party. And two of them, you don't even know that well. Like you're you're having other people's kids over at your house, seven-year-old boys, and you're showing them a quasi-horror movie. You know, probably wouldn't fly in 2021 with as pussy as kids are today. But uh, let me tell you, if they had known me or talked to my mom, they would have known it was totally like normal. They're like, <laughs> oh yeah, show him tremors. He's fine. Like it's Adam. Are you kidding? Like, so me and these two boys spend... All night, at late at night, like up late, eating pizza, watching Tremors. Just the three of us, three seven-year-old boys. And I don't, I can't explain what happened that night, but it was the first time I ever watched a movie and was completely 100% fully engaged, understood everything that was going on, and was blown away by the how the elements of the storytelling came together to fit such a coherent, like, picture. Mm. I... It was maybe the movie that made me want to be a writer. It was maybe the movie that made me love horror comedy as much as I do. And, you know, my my film that's on Amazon, Manhandlers, is a horror comedy. In fact, it won two festivals for best horror comedy categories, which I'm very proud of. And I often have credited Tremors and my love of Tremors. I'm, I'm kind of blowing the ending. I said I was going to go this long. I'm telling it now pretty much. But this was... This was one of those nights where, like, after that night, I told everybody about Tremors. I, like, wanted to own Tremors, you know? And my parents bought me Tremors for my birthday, like, the next year. And it was, like, my main gift. And I remember thinking it was, like, the coolest thing ever. And so, long story short, Tremors are, like, a huge part of my, like, you've seen Mm. those memes where it's, like, Simpsons references, you know, food, work. And then there's, like, a chunk that's, like, some obscure thing. For me, it's, like, Tremors. Mm. And not necessarily the franchise, this movie. The original Tremors. Wow, that's a that's a that's a great story. I didn't I did not know Tremors meant so much to. It. Maybe I'll maybe I'll hold back on you know watching uh, my my n- distaste for it. Uh, I want you to go <laughs> with it. I want to have conflict. Conflict is good radio. You're, you're right. Uh, I read that. And I'm so, but now I'm so we're like 50 shows in to like Super 90s Brothers. I don't know what number of shows we are actually on, but like yeah, it's like 50. I looked it up the other day. It was like 40 something, maybe pushing 50. Wow. Uh, or maybe no. You know what? I think we just had our 50th. We're like a little over 50, like 53 something like that. Well, let's just consider this our 50th. And uh, but I'm surprised that we haven't done this this 
episode yet. So that that just shows how much good stuff there is to do from the '90s. That we've it took this long to get to Adam's favorite movie, one of his favorite. Yeah. Movies. So. And, and, you know, there's 50 other fucking things in the 90s I could do today that I'm passionate about and another 50 I could do tomorrow after I, like, rewatched them or thought about them. Like, the 90s were a treasure trove of awesome pop culture, and we hope that you guys get to relive some of it through our podcast. And you can thank us by giving us those sweet fucking five-star reviews on Apple iTunes Music. Follow the show, share us, all that shit. Absolutely. So, uh, well, let's uh, let's let's talk about... Tremors and what it, what's all about? Let's uh let's get into Brennan's bad synopsis. Brennan's bad synopsis. I don't know if that works. <laughs> We're playing around with that, <laughs> but yeah, this movie is a man. This is it's about two handymen, you know, Val and Earl. They're uh they're working in perfection or that Nevada, and uh, they're that. <laughs> They get tired of it. They're like, I don't really know what happens. They like they decide that they hate perfection. They don't like this place at all. It's kind of a slump. Uh, and it's I don't even know if you really consider it a town. It's like a, a little spot in the middle of the desert. And blink of an eye. Yeah, and then they like they are they're tired of it and they like they decided to leave. Well, like the septic pump like oh. explodes on them. Like this is a we're gonna go to a bigger town and they decide to go and then they they're trying to leave town and a bunch of shit happens to them. They find a person dead up in the up in yeah, it's like we got to do this together. Like the roads are closed, mm. and they keep running into dead bodies. Yeah. Old Edgar Deans, their like buddy, is like up this fucking light pole, and he's like um, dehydrated. He's like been stuck up this light pole for like four days. They're like, what the fuck is that? And they found like a road crew that had like gotten eaten, and like uh, these guys were like blasting and drilling and jackhammering like the only road out of town when one of the monsters attack them. And something goes wrong, and it fucks up like the only road out of town. And there's this great speech in the movie from Bert, the the gun enthusiast, that he says, that's why Heather and I settled here. The mountains to the north, the cliffs to the east and the west, geographic isolation. So you you they set this scene where they're in this little tiny town in a valley in, like, the middle of fucking nowhere, like mm. Arizona or Nevada. And there's these giant fucking, there's a menace. They don't know what's going on. People are dying, and there's... They, they want to get out, and they can't. There's no road out. Mm. So the, the isolation factor, and I, I talk about this a lot in horror movies, is very important. The idea that you can't leave is really important to how good a horror movie is. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there, that's, that's... Well, like Lake Placid, like movies that come up often for like that didn't do that were like Lake Placid and Arachnophobia. Like Lake Placid's got that killer croc, just don't swim in the lake. Jaws, don't get in the water. Arachnophobia, leave the fucking town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but like here in Tremors, you can't leave. They're coming after you. You're 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 stuck. It's like a video game. You can't get out. Yeah. I mean, and then they then they they, they turn they're, they're, there's these worms that are like killing everything. No, here like, what happens yeah. is they, they try this. and drive I, I their truck out of town, <laughs> and something like grabs their axle. Oh, that's right. And they're like, what the fuck? And they're trying to, like, drive away, and they can't. Something is, like, stalling out their truck. And finally, they, like, put it in four-wheel drive, and they, like, they get the truck out of there. And they drive back to town to tell everybody the road's out. And they find this big fucking snake worm thing stuck on their axle. And they're like, what the fuck is that? And it's, like, it looks sort of like a giant, like, sand eel, if that was a thing. Yeah. It's got It's got no eyes, and it's got this nasty little mouth, and it's been ripped off, like, 
four or five feet down at the neck. So it's like, it just looks like this really long eel. And they think this is the thing at first. They think this is the monster. And they're like, what are these fucking snake things? Like, where do they come from? And so they get like a new plan to like, to ride out of there on horseback and like go alert the authorities and tell them like people are dying. So like Val and Earl get on horses and they, they try and ride over the mountains and then they get, they get in a, in a chase with like one of these fucking worm monsters and the worm monster like chases them through the desert and they jump over a canal and the worm monster slams into the concrete side of the canal runner going through the middle of this desert and kills it. And so Valinor like dig it up and they realize it's like fucking like 30 feet long and it's gotta be like four or five tons. And they have no idea what the fuck it is. And they think they're onto some sort of major discovery and they're gonna be rich and famous. They're gonna be on like national geographic magazine. And then the, the seismologist bitch Rhonda like runs in and she's like, she's got all these like graphs and she's like, wait, according to these graphs, there's like three or four more of these things. They're like, Oh fuck. And so the whole movie is like them figuring out how to survive with like like four of these giant fucking worm monsters trying to kill everyone in the whole town. But it's not just Val and Earl and Rhonda. Like there's all these like townspeople. There's like 15 people that live in town and like kids and like, like a little girl and like an old man, an old Chinese man from uh, big trouble in little China. It's, and they all got to kind of work together using what very limited resources they have in this podunk middle of fucking nowhere town and they have to, they've got the one gun enthusiast and his wife who are badass, but everyone else is just like a cowpoke. They're not like, they're not military or anything. So it's like, it's like normal people in this extraordinary circumstance. And they have to, they have to use their wits and all of their skills and everything at their disposal to kill these beasts or it's, or they'll be killed. It's, it's just the ultimate setup of a movie kill or be killed. Mm, yeah. Well, th- that's, yeah, that's the plot of the movie. Kill, that's or, the synopsis. kill or be killed. I mean, I don't have anything killer, to add to that. Killer be killed. Great theme, by the way. I, <laughs> I I just love that as a motto. You know my Rumble Nights? So I, like, made a flyer for my Royal Rumble Night once, and there was all these wrestlers killing each other. And then at the bottom, in, like, red blood ink on my flyer, I put kill or be killed, and then I was quoted by Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> um. My friend was like, Gandhi didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let, let, <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, R- Rumble Night is and we used to do Royal Rumble. We'd pick wrestlers, and you get the and you win, and you cheer for. We do draft wrestlers. picks for wrestlers that come into the Royal Rumble, and we bet money. It's on really it. the only it's, way you can get people who don't like wrestling into wrestling. Um, let's talk about the best. Ca- let's talk about the characters of this movie. I we have to talk about the two main characters, Val and Earl, uh, Kevin Bacon. And the other guy, Fred Word. Uh, yeah, we have a perfect drop to play to get get kind of the flavor of these characters. So we're gonna play that for you now. Oh, God damn it! I ask you, that's a job for intelligent men. Well, show me one. I'll ask him. I mean, if we were real serious about money, we'd quit being hired hands. Handyman Earl, we are handyman. Yeah, yeah. Would you quit this job and? Find ourselves some real employment. Are you gonna give up all this personal freedom? So they're kind of these two buddies, and they're out in the middle of fucking nowhere. They're working however they can. They're shitheads to each other, which I love. Any movie where the main characters have 
relationships where they can talk shit and make fun of each other is characters I'm drawn to. I hate movies where everyone is so nice to each other. And like, mm. I just, I think they're so lame. Yeah. Like, especially like kids movies. I always talk about that with like the difference between the Goonies and like modern kids movies is that the Goonies like swore and talk shit and made fun of each other. Mm-hmm. And they acted like normal kids. Yeah. I, I, I think these two characters are great in the beginning. Cause they, they set it up a couple of ways. They, first of all, they're not like, real heroes like yeah like they are just basic guys that are struggling to survive in perfection nevada and in the first scene i noticed like and they don't do this in movies that much anymore is like they p- both pull up cigarettes and start smoking um which i always think is interesting because it they don't you just don't see that in th- movies tobacco anymore. depiction like, like, a yeah. warning label on disney plus <laughs> <laughs> that we brought up when we were watching blank check i was like what the fuck um <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, they, it starts off in like Val is fucking with Earl. Like Earl's asleep in his truck. They're getting ready to go like work on a fucking fence. And Val like gets on the back of his truck and starts rocking it really hard and starts yelling, Stampede! Stampede, Earl! Get back out the way! And like, you know, Earl's flipping out and rolling and falling out of the truck and looking around. And then he sees the cows just standing there looking stupid. He's like, you son of a bitch. And they, <laughs> it's, it's a really good relationship. And the two main actors are amazing. I mean, I, let me start with Fred Ward, who plays Earl, because I, I've got some really big news about Kevin Bacon. Mm. Uh, that, that involves you, Bernan. Oh, wow. Um, but Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon are the two main actors. Fred Ward had had was famous from he was in Escape from Alcatraz, which was a really popular Clint Eastwood movie in like seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Remo Williams, Uncommon Valor, and a few other things. He had kind of like a tough guy, like a war. He has a really good look, like kind of a, a kind of a grizzled face. More recently, played like the mean dad in Road Trip in like two thousand one. It's pretty close to the nineties. Yeah. But anyway, he's really good in this movie. Fred Ward is really likable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main character is, is Val, his counterpart, Kevin Bacon. Um, and Kevin Bacon is, is really famous at this point. Footloose came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitewater Summer was like the next year and she's having a baby. It was like 1988. So like Footloose and she's having a baby, both really, really popular movies in, in like the late eighties. So Kevin Bacon, I think this was his first like monster movie i think he had done a horror movie i think he was in flatliners before this which is kind of a horror movie anyway flatliners was right after this one okay so do you know maybe a people in our audience people from cyprus shout out to cyprus um maybe they don't know about the popular game that came about in the 90s and 2000s called the six degrees of kevin bacon do you know this game brennan of course yeah can you so can you briefly describe it for our uh, maybe out of country audience? Uh, everyone, anyone, any actor in movies can be connected to Kevin Bacon within six degrees of of being in a movie. Uh, and what the, what he means by six degrees is within like six different movies, yeah. like uh, like. Uh, uh, Michael Keaton was in Batman with Danny DeVito, and Danny DeVito was in this with I don't know Kevin Bacon. You know, Mackay um, Pfeiffer, whatever. Oh yeah, but like, and, anyways, yeah. So that's and that's you can eventually game. get to Kevin Bacon within six trees of like anybody, and that's the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I mentioned fifteen minutes ago that I released a movie called Manhandlers on Amazon Prime. Um, we may have mentioned in the past Brennan had a cameo in this movie, so both Brennan and I are credited in Manhandlers the movie. I am proud to tell you that the baby hedgehog narrator from Manhandlers, Jerry Shario was in a movie with Bronson Pinchot. Do you know that guy? No. He was the dude. 
he was the dude from like Trading Places and he was in that bad movie, The Langoliers. He was really popular in the 80s and 90s. Bronson Pinchot, if you look him up, you'll find him. Bronson Pinchot was in something else and that guy was in a movie with Kevin Bacon. So you and I are only three degrees away from Kevin Bacon. Wow, three degrees. Can you imagine that? I cannot believe it. Uh, we, yeah. we qualify for the fucking Kevin Bacon game. That 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 makes me that makes me very happy. Three degrees. We qualify. In, I know. And I actually have a uh, a listing on IMDb because of uh, being in that movie. So thank you, Adam. That's what I'm saying. We qualify. We're in it. We could be someone's answer to the question. Oh my gosh, we could. Like, there's like databases, and they probably just pull from IMDb. If I type in Burn and Pointer. I'm going to be, oh my gosh, I want to do this in the game now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, they're probably going to use Jerry Shario, who was the narrator that yeah. has done other professional work. You know, <laughs> they're probably going to use him before us, but that's cool. Jerry, we love Jerry, so that's fine. Uh, um, so anyway, I thought that was really cool and I'd share with you on air. I, I appreciate that. That is That makes me very happy. I just learned it like two weeks ago yeah. and um, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it much until I realized I was covering trimmers. I'm like, holy shit, I got to tell everybody. Um, Okay, so those are the main two characters, Val and Earl. They're awesome. And uh, they've got this really cool, like... I will say about Val is that he's a bit of a dog. And yeah, we're coming to that. We're coming, oh, to, that. We're coming to that. Okay, fine. Um, Val and Earl got, like, uh, this really cool rock, paper, scissors motif, mm. which is, you know what? People need to use rock, scissors, paper more to settle arguments. Yes, they do. Like, it's... Or, flip, like, flip a coin doesn't take any skill rock paper skills rock rock, paper scissors you have to actually think about it a little bit strategize a little bit but like when me and my wife have like a disagreement i always want to settle with rock paper scissors and she like won't play what the fuck is that that's rude i know why why doesn't she play that's that's not nice because she doesn't want an argument to be lost via rock paper scissors i see I, i i use it all me and abby use it like all the time like all Ugh. the time. So thank you. Uh, another, thank you, trimmers. Um, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure this didn't originate in trimmers. Um, another pro point for Abby. <laughs> so um, anyway, Brennan just said it. That, so Earl is sort of like the older, wiser dog, and Val is kind of like the young, horny hmm. pup. And at the very beginning, he's driving over to meet the new grad student who's a woman, and he's all excited because he's like kind of this womanizer. And we're going to play that clip for you now. I remember being so confused by that as like a seven year old. I was like, what does it mean to have legs that go all the way up? And how is that sexy? Mm, yeah. Long legs. Uh, I, uh, I think this seems really funny because they drive up and they meet this girl and she's like, she's not what Kevin Bacon wants. Um, she's dorky. She's, she's dorky. like a she's... short, dorky, plain Jane brunette with curly hair. And she's got that dorky, like uh, sunscreen on her nose. Yeah. And no one puts sunscreen like that on their nose. Right. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I've never met anybody. <laughs> I mean, why would you only put it on your nose? Not the rest of your face. Right. And they were really trying to like make her not that sexy, but then I, I think she ends up being sexy, especially in a scene later in the film, which I think we'll probably get into. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, they really set him up to be a dog, but they don't do a really good job. She, she never becomes it. sexy for me. I always, yeah. okay. 
Well, Val then, has this picture of like Tammy Lynn Baxter, some his like ex girlfriend, and she's just this like blonde bimbo. And Earl's like making fun of her. He's like, "Ooh, a broken nail!" And they show that picture when I was like seven. I was like, "Oh yeah, that one. That one's for me." <laughs> I never liked Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder why. I mean, I wonder why they didn't actually cast like a very attractive like Hollywood like girl like woman like i mean she's attractive but like they could have really i mean like there is no there's not much sex appeal in this movie and this was the this was the this oh, you was know the option to do it great segue great segue this movie has so little sex and love story and bullshit and i'm like i wrote a horror movie recently about like a demon bear in the woods mm. like fighting these deer hunters in the snow and i'm i've been pitching it recently to like execs and shit in la and i keep hearing like uh, you know, can we work in a love story? And it's like the story, there's like these two cousins who are adopted and they're like, one's a man and one's a boy and one's a girl. They're both 18. And they like suggest that these cousins like have a thing. And I keep telling them like, I know they're adopted. And I know you guys think that all deer hunters are fucking inbred rednecks that have sex with their cousins, but it's not actually a thing. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to have like cousins get together in my script just so you can have your stupid love story. And I've been very firm about this script. Like in the past, when I pitched scripts, I've been more malleable. I've been like, yeah, maybe I should think about, yeah, maybe that, but none of those have ever sold. So this time I'm like, no, this is a horror movie. I'm not going to ruin it with a stupid love story, especially amongst cousins. Well, they don't, maybe, maybe they're not cousins. Well, they're adopted. So they're not really cousins. And that's, that's the argument from these LA types, but like, (laughs) <laughs> family's family you know yeah for sure uh people that say that like they could have been into their stepsister or whatever i was like you never fucking had a stepsister <laughs> i had a stepsister there's no chance you that would happen like i could see it happening like initially if there was like some girl at your school that you had a crush on then mm. your parents got together and it was awkward at first but that would fade after a couple weeks like you'd yeah. be living with them like the whole mystique goes away trust yeah. me <laughs> yeah even david silver from now to another didn't like his stepsister of kelly so you know it, 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 yeah, that, that definitely does. Yeah, I, I don't care what the stats say at Pornhub. <laughs> Stepsisters aren't that sexy. Oh my gosh, Pornhub and stepsisters, step siblings. It's, it's all there is in Pornhub. Uh, all there is. Like I, w- you, I wouldn't know, Brennan. Me either. Uh, it's, but it's like, that's the algorithm. Um, <laughs> other people. Okay, have- well, let, let's keep going. So we covered Val. <laughs> And uh, the next character we got, we have to talk about is Burt Gummer, mm. the, the, the gun enthusiast, the survivalist, played by Michael Gross, who was popular at the time for Family Ties with uh, Michael J. Fox, really popular late 80s sitcom. Um, Family Ties, really underrated, by the way. Family Ties is way better than fucking Growing Pains and Full House and Step by Step. And, and, and what's that dumbass one with Urkel? Family Matters. Family Matters. Growing, uh, growing, or excuse me, Family Ties was better than all that shit. Mm. Uh, Interesting when you're bringing that up, he, the actor Michael Gross, he came to set the Tremor set one day after filming the finale of Family Ties. Hmm. Yeah. So we get to turn the page on his like, I was the wholesome family dad, and now I'm going to be like a crazy, you know, apocalypse seeking. Now I'm only going to be in Tremors movies for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Um, um, but we love Bert. Like, he's he's probably, like, Val and Earl the best, but Bert's the next best, right? Yeah, he, I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he makes this movie amazing. And then his wife, equally, like Reba McIntyre, was dynamite in this movie as well. Um, yeah, so she did an interview with Vanity Fair or something. I don't know if it was Vanity Fair. She did an interview, like, 
a year and a half ago for like the 30th anniversary of Tremors because mm. Tremors turned 31 about six weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's the same age as Jill. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I saw that. Um, it was a great year for me. Nin- <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> That's what <you're> getting at. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so Reba McIntyre had done an episode of the Pat Sajak show, the guy from uh, Wheel of Fortune. I guess he used to have his own talk show. Okay. And... Reba McIntyre was on there as a singer and the executive producer of Tremors who was casting the film at the time saw the interview and thought she'd be right for this role. And they call her out of the blue and Reba hadn't done movies before, but had been interested. Mm. And she said, yeah, I'd love to. I'm absolutely interested. And they, she read and she got the parole right away. And she said that the whole time everyone kept telling her, you know, it's going to be kind of cold. It's going to be kind of dirty. It's going to be kind of dusty. And she kept saying, no problem. I grew up a cowgirl. Don't worry about me at all. Oh, and they're like, oh, and you can't wear any makeup. She's like, no problem. So like mm. it was, she was perfect for the role. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I mean, this was her first movie and, uh, and she went on to like, I mean, have a pretty successful f- film career, and t- and she had a TV show for seven years, and yeah, yeah. My wife watched that Reba show. I've seen a couple episodes. It's not that bad. I think it was like a Lifetime show or some bad network, but yeah. it's really not that bad of a, a sitcom. Probably like family that family show channel. It's um, definitely like the same level of like the New Adventures of Old Christine, which gets a lot of love. Yeah. I never watched that. So one other thing Reba said, which I thought was funny, was uh, the elephant gun. There's some scenes where Bert hands her the elephant gun and Bert's doing other things. And the elephant gun, which I guess is to kill elephants, is is this gigantic, it's like the size of a, a canoe. It's like this gigantic rifle, double barrel rifle with with shells that look like cigars like they're like nine inch dildo looking shit up like shells like they're just these huge fucking rounds that you put in this big gun anyway it was a real elephant gun and uh, she couldn't run with it it was too heavy so they made her like a fake wooden one for for the scenes where she had to like move around with it because it was so fucking heavy and she reba couldn't handle it she said that was the most embarrassing thing about her for shooting was that she couldn't handle this giant gun (laughs) Uh, if, uh, since we're talking about the gun, that gun was rented from a collector, which was interesting. I didn't. Like, oh, cool. Um, and and we'll, and we'll get into it. Um, uh, yeah, I'll talk about the gun again later. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, she's yeah, she's great in this movie. The rest of the she's cast, really good. The rest of this cast is uh, you know, they have a they have a little bit of a they have an Asian guy in it that plays a, a kind of like a. The comic relief. Um, well, I yeah, say what's the that guy's name? Relief. That guy's um, famous. The, the guy's name is Walter Victor. Oh, Wong. oh, Victor Wong. Yeah, that. Yeah, he's very from um, Big Trouble in Little China, and he was the the grandpa on the Three Ninjas. Yeah, grandpa on Three Ninjas. That's how I remember him. Um, yeah, and but yeah, I mean, but the rest of the cast is kind of you know throwaway. Um, but those are the well. I, I wanted to cover. I wanted to cover that. Um, there's this, you may not remember this, but there was these like two boys in the eighties, like Billy Jacoby and Bobby Jacoby. And, and, and those are both like stage names, by the way. Okay. And one of them was in this movie. I think it was Bobby. And, but both of them are like littered throughout all your favorite shit in the eighties. And for the longest time, I didn't realize that there was two of them. And I always thought they were the same person. It's so odd to me 
that their names are Billy Jacoby and Bobby Jacoby. They look exactly the same. And they do all these different 80s movies. They may have gotten into acting as twins, like the Olsen twins did when mm. they were babies, something like that. Maybe that's what happened. But I never saw them play twins, and I didn't know that backstory. So I always thought they were the same person growing up. Anyway, they're um, the best role is this guy's brother, Billy, plays the horny little brother in the 80s movie, Just One of the Guys. It's one of those like cross-dressing movies and where like a girl pretends to be a guy and she goes to some other high school to prove the only reason her journalism isn't good is because the teachers think she's a girl, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a good movie. And she has this fucking hilarious little brother named Billy Jacoby. But long story short, Billy and Bobby Jacoby are in like everything in the eighties, like everything. One of, I think this one's in Parker Lewis can't lose. Like yeah. there's, you just see them all the time. This so guy, I want to give a quick. Yeah, this guy's but it, like IMDb their names. Is, is crazy from the 80s. Like, yeah, like everything. Everything. and But they both change their names back to like their real names. Like yeah. sometime after they stop being famous. So I don't even know their fucking real name, but I always knew them as like Billy and Bobby Jacoby. Robert Jane, uh, for what it's worth. <laughs> um, oh, I don't. They never went on. He never he never went on the much. I mean, he's still he's. He still acted for for a time after after this. Um, well, I just want to say that those parts. those kids fucking owned the eighties. Those Kobe uh, brothers were great. And the, yeah, I will say there's an another actress in this is uh, Ellie from Jurassic Park, the girl from Jurassic Park. She's in this too. Um, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. The little blonde girl in Jurassic Park is in this. Is it little or blonder girl? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she looks exactly the same. Only she's about. Four years younger. <laughs> yeah, and she has this thing where she's like always on her pogo stick, and she's counting. She's like trying to break the world record or something. Yeah, that's... and uh, like the pogo stick draws the attention of the trimmers at one point. Yeah. Um. Well, let's get so, the best scenes from this movie. I want to. I want to get in the best scenes. So. All right. Well, I mean, there's one scene, right? That it's there's it's one. on the Mount Rushmore of like all monster movie scenes ever to me. It's like one of my favorite scenes ever because it came out of nowhere. Like, you think that, like, you know Bert and his wife are, like, these sort of, like, gun survivalists, but they're down in their basement. People are dying left and right. Val and Earl are up on the roof. They're screaming at them to get up on the roof, and they don't. Bert and Reba McIntyre just fucking strap up. Like, they, they grab their nine, their elephant gun, and they, they get ready for war. And the fucking tremor monster breaks into their basement through the brick like underground subfloor comes through the side of the wall and is like, it, he's like through the side of the wall, sort of, I don't know, shrieking at them going rah, 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 like shooting his little like snake tongues. Oh, we should mention that. If you haven't seen this movie, the little snake thing that was caught up on the axle isn't the monster. It's just their tongues, which is cool. They've got like these three snake things that come out of their tongues, not too dissimilar to like alien, mm. those creepy things on their tongue kind of. Mm -hmm. so, so anyway, the, the monster's in their basement and he's shooting these like snake things at them. And Burton Reber like, fuck it, fuck you. And they go to their like wall, right? They've got this fucking wall that looks like, it reminded me of like commando <laughs> when Arnold breaks into the artillery store. They've got this wall of like every fucking gun and ammo and rifle and fucking, and they just, they just start pulling shit off the wall and going to town on this, on this guy. And it, it feels like, 
it feels like a, like a target shooting app in a video game. Like you just grab whatever gun you want, turn around and you're shooting at this fucker, just blasting him again and again. And Reba even shoots the fucker with a flare gun. And then Bert, Bert gets the elephant gun out and finally puts it down. It's got this kind of this dramatic ending where the thing's thrashing around and it's bleeding and then it collapses. You're like, holy shit, they killed it. And then you hear him like radio Val and Earl and they're all celebrating. They call it a mother humper and, what a fucking scene, man. I remember just like on that waterbed, that seven years old being like, whoa, this is so cool. This is everything I've ever wanted from a movie. All the guns are loaded and there's, yeah, there's literally a, like probably 80 guns on this wall, all different types. And then there's the elephant gun that is behind glass. And I did not understand that when I was watching that. I'm just like, <laughs> all these guns are just here to pull off. But, you know, you got to keep that one behind glass. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> in his basement in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, um, like but gonna, so yeah, he breaks the elephant gun out of the glass and then he opens the box of shells, right? And that's when these like nine inch dildo looking shells fall out. And you're like, holy shit, look at those rounds. Um, and then and then Bert says this. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? I will. I do want to know is that he then radios Kevin Bacon and then someone says mother humper. And I've learned that to get a PG-13 rating, they had to, like, change all the F-words to, like, they had to keep, they only kept two F-words in the movie. And so anything else became, like, humper. And I didn't know this when I was watching. I'm just like, I'm like, why am I watching the dub version of this? Like, this, oh. like but, they, but they had to dub a bunch of lines to change it from, like, fucker to, mm. to humper. And I, I was like, why am I watching Happy Gilmore on, like, TBS? Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I, I won't question that. So I thought mother humper, it just felt like one of those things that like a little group of townspeople felt like one of those words they say to each other. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it works I, for me. One of the scenes that it's not on here it, that kind of something I remember was the scene where they were like, it's, they find, um, the girl in, we, she, she didn't come up as a character that we talked about, Adam. Um, we talk a little bit about her, obviously, but the, the geologist, she's there, and she's, she, the Rhonda LeBeck, she is the, a seismologist, and she's doing, like, survey, she's surveying the, the place. Like, anyways, and there's a scene what where What a they, great marriage, by the way. Yeah. Let's have a girl character that's a seismologist who measures earthquakes, and that's how we find these underground monsters. What a great tool. Yeah, what a great tool. I mean, I guess. I they I don't know. I, look, we'll somebody, get, ha, look, in a movie, somebody has to figure out what's going on. That's you true. need, like, an expert, and it's always, it's usually really prefab and hokey. Like, mm -hmm. somebody just, like, strolls out of the woods and, like, he just knows everything, shit like that. Yeah. They, she was the opposite. She was, like, a young student, but she figured it out because of the research she was doing. Mm -hmm. And it worked well. I don't know. I thought it worked really well. It, it works well. Um, But there's a scene where they, where Val and Earl are, they find her out in the desert, and and then they have to, like, kind of sleep on a rock overnight. And then they, like, how do we get out of here? If we, go, if we get on the ground, we're going to, we're going to, get eaten by one of these trimmers and um yeah the, and the so monsters are like hiding under the dirt that's why they're stuck on this rock right and so yeah they can't get them to, on the rock but uh they have to like use you know big long sticks to get from rock to rock and into the truck to to drive away so yeah they 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 grab some fence posts yes and they start like pole vaulting on these big boulders to their it's, it's a good thing there was a boulder 
equally spaced until they got to their truck. It remi- that it was- also reminds me of like a Mario game, right? <laughs> it's also great that there was these humongous long sticks there by them this by yeah. chance too. That that, uh, that works out well. I will say when in that scene they're getting into the truck, they're pogoing into the truck, and Kevin Bacon has the keys of the truck. And what he does with them, it's either Kevin or uh, Fred, um, and he puts them in his mouth, like the. When he when he, I'm like, why don't you just put it in your fucking pocket? Like, why did you put it no, in your mouth? No, it's the girl. It's Rhonda. Oh, it's Rhonda. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Anyways, why do you put it in your mouth? Like, put it somewhere else. She needed both hands on the pole vault. Put it in your pocket. She has a pocket. Um, Does she? A lot of women's outfits aren't very good about pockets. Um, there, there's some other good scenes. Why don't you talk about them, Adam? Well, I really like the scene where they're all stuck on the roofs. Um, and like Bert and his wife are away in their basement, but everyone else is in the little town on the roofs, like the roof of the store, the roof of the water tower, or like uh, one of them's on the roof of their house. And one of them's like on it, like this guy, Nestor gets on a tire and like the fucking monster, like comes up through the middle of the tire and yanks him through it. He's like, <laughs> so that's how Nestor goes. Um, and uh, anyway, they, they figure out, They've got to get out of there or the monster's just going to tear the houses out from under them. They're going to destroy the foundation. They're all going to collapse into each other and shit. Mm. So they devise this plan to put together like this armored tank that they can't lift. So they've got this cat, like an old tractor, and uh, they're going to pull like an old semi-trailer behind it with flat tires. Mm-hmm. But somebody's got to go put the attach the cat to the trailer and get it moving before the ground things fuck them up. So they come up with this other clever idea to start this little rider lawnmower. And uh, they've got this other, like, Hispanic guy that lives there named Edgar, who's a really fun character and really likable. And Edgar helps them distract this monster by getting this little rider lawnmower going. So the thing starts chasing the rider, rider lawnmower, and then Val, like, pushes Earl out of the way, who was supposed to make the run, and then makes the run through the desert in between the monsters, go get the tractor, attach it to the armored tank, and then go pick everyone up in the houses before the things can, like, dig out, trench out little tunnels for the thing to collapse underneath them. It's really cool. It's just a really... Again, I said this earlier, I love how resourceful they are in this movie. And I love how close the buildings are together in this small town. Um... What do you mean? Have you ever been... Look, my parents lived in a... They owned a house in a town called Cheesaw, which was three and a half hours north of Spokane, population like 100. The whole fucking town, dude, is like a little store, a gas station, and like five houses. And and outside of that, people are on the fucking boondocks. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, it could happen. It is could, what I'm ha- saying. It could not, happen. You're right. And then and then finally, there's a there's another. The pole vaulting is way less realistic than the houses being close to each other. You're right. That's very true. I mean, if we're getting into realism, that's, that's very true in a movie where there's worms that are killing people. (laughs) You have Uh, have to accept some premise. If you're going to accept like a movie that's not set in reality, you have to accept something. (laughs) Right. Uh, Talk about the dynamite fishing. I guess I missed this the other night when I was watching it, I must've went to sleep. Oh, so at the end, um, when they go pick up Bert in the armored tank, he like has all these like guns and shit with him. And he made all these like homemade dynamite sticks, which was cool. So Bert just put together all these like homemade sticks of dynamite. And he's like a few household chemicals in the right proportions gives you dynamite or something like that. And um, so what they do is they tie these dynamite like uh, sticks to a rope 
And then they start like throwing rocks out into the desert. And then when the little snake tongues start searching around for the rocks, then they throw the dynamite and the snake tongues grab the dynamite and like pull it back in and they blow up one of the fuckers that way. Yeah. And so they're like literally fishing with dynamite. They're fishing underground for these monsters with dynamite. And then, so they kill one of them like that. Then they try and do it again to the very last one. And this one like spits the dynamite back out at them and it flies back right into them and all their supplies and blows up all their dynamite and guns. And that's, and that's the end essentially is that like they have nothing and they're out in the desert. Everything's ruined and they're up against this, this monster. And at the very end, like it's literally just Val and Earl and Rhonda and they've got a stick of dynamite with no rope and they're out there exposed on the desert and this monster is coming right for him and Val has the cliffs behind him. Mm. So Val decides to throw the dynamite behind the monster to scare it, which he does. And it, when the dynamite blows up, the monster like freaks out and starts sprinting right at him and it sprints right through the cliffs and then the, the monk is flying down the air. And then Kevin Bacon has this great scene where he's looking at it like, can you fly, you sucker? Can you fly? And then it falls and hits all these bowlers and blows up with all this ketchup-looking blood every fucking where. It's, it's fucking awesome, man. What an... <laughs> so cool. They kill all four of these things in such unique, diverse ways. It is such fun writing. That's, that's, that's fair. I mean, I, that's fair. I... When you when you brought up the fact that this is a not a horror movie and a but it's a horror comedy, which is a different genre, I was like, oh, that's that was my that is probably why I was like really judging it when I was watching it. And I should have realized. I know that it's a comedy, but like I that it has funny parts. But like I just for whatever reason, when I was a kid, I remember being scared of this movie. And and then I was watching. I'm just like, this movie's not scary. I'm not enjoying this at all. I don't like all these like the beginning of the, the setup for the movie of like how these tremors are like kind of I can't why can't I think of what I'm trying to say like they're invading this town is I just don't like the I just don't like the the setup for it I just and it didn't really didn't draw me in like when the the husband and wife get killed in the car like and or the husband gets killed and then she gets killed like by like getting pulled down in the car and then they find them the next day um I just didn't really like the setup for it, and I was just thinking it was really hokey. Um, that I mean, and that I mean, I guess that's my my issue with it. Is that I, yeah, I don't hokey. understand it at all. It's the perfect setup for a horror movie. It's it's a new threat, mm. something you have never dealt with, and they're completely isolated. And you have great characters in this movie. That's, what what do you want? I don't know. I, I wanted to be entertained, Adam, and I wasn't being entertained. This movie is so entertaining. What's I, wrong with you? I, I don't. I don't know. I just. It, There's I, so many cool deaths. Even the fucking. Even when they pull the station wagon through the desert, that's a cool death. That's true. Yeah. Like the the, the, the fucking worm thing grabs a Cadillac wagon, turns it upright, and pulls it down through the earth like the Titanic sinking into the ocean with the, <laughs> with like the the lady screaming stuck inside playing her golden oldie music. Yeah, and and then the next morning, Valner will find the fucking headlights shining straight up through the dirt. That it was such a cool shot. And they're like, holy shit, they pulled a fucking car into the ground. What the <laughs> fuck are we dealing with? That is so cool. Uh, I. I you, I guess this is the difference between me and you is I don't like these types of movies. I do not like horror movies for one. I do not like horror comedy movies either. Like they're just like it's just not my. It's not. The I will. I don't watch them. I don't actively try to watch like horror comedy movies. So that maybe that's my. It's not my. I like. I don't love it. I don't love these types of movies. 
Well, why don't we get to something you do love, oh. and that's music. <laughs> um, all right, let's do it. All right, this is where we're going to play you the number one song in America at the time this movie was released, January 19th, 1990. Here we go. You- this is Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. Think twice, Phil Collins. Do we burn? Do you remember that South Park with Phil Collins? No, I <laughs> on don't. Ritalin. I don't remember that South Park. They all get on Ritalin, and then they because they like how it makes them feel. But at the end, they're all listening to Phil Collins. They're like, "Oh my God, we got to get off Ritalin. It makes us like Phil Collins." <laughs> uh, I stopped watching. Uh, I stopped watching South Park in like 1998. No, this was an old episode. Oh, is it okay? Well, maybe I yeah. if I if I saw that one. Yeah, this is a this is a not that great of a Phil Collins song. Um, I don't know. I don't really. I didn't. I don't remember this song that well. What I do remember about this song is a music video, and the music video is super depressing because it's a it's basically a a video to like kind of promote um, starvation and like poor like promote starvation promote like or like make make people <laughs> promote make people aware <laughs> of you know people yeah you know dying of starvation and like yeah i i Af- never Af- even knew this song was about homelessness and famine until i saw the video yesterday i never <laughs> knew oh. i'd never watched this video i'd heard it on the music a hundred times i just thought it was like a love song where like him and his wife are in paradise <laughs> I, I didn't realize it was some sort of metaphor for having stability and a roof over your head um, like i just I didn't know. We take it for granted, Adam. If you watch this I, video, you would take, that, you take it for granted. We take it for granted, and there's people dying in the world, Adam, from homelessness and you know. Dude, not dude being able I'm to a eat. property manager in the Bay Area. I fucking know about homelessness. Okay, I know way more than I wish. I I could pollute the airwaves right now with stories that would make you cringe, but I won't. <laughs> the message is good. Yeah. Famine and homelessness is no fun, right? It, it isn't. No, it's not. No, um, but but I can't take anything Phil Collins does seriously. He just seems like such a douchebag. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I after he left Gen- Genesis and started doing his own stuff, like I really, you know, don't care too much for his his uh, stuff that he did by himself, except for like in the air tonight. I, I do like that song. But yeah, that song. And there's a lot of kids in the 90s, like 90s kids that really like him from his like um, Tarzan. He did this Tarzan soundtrack. Um, And I I, I'm so proud to tell you I've never had a friend that was a fan of Phil Collins. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I I think you probably you're friends with Rob. I think Rob is a a fan of Phil Collins. He's I don't know that Rob likes me. I like Rob. (laughs) I don't know that he likes me. (laughs) Um, Well, this th- that song you know existed and yeah that's but- look, look we did this last week we're picking the song of the month right yeah. i don't know why we call it that because it's actually the song of the day like we, song, of the, week, name, song but, of the week <laughs> something but anyway so that was the song that the day trimmers came out january 19th 1990 but as with last week a new totally awesome song took over the number one slot the very next day. So we thought we'd give you a little, a double dip, a little bonus second song of the month. This is how am I supposed to live without you by the big one, Michael Bolton. 
I have such a bad negative image of like 90s yuppie white people <laughs> like in their living rooms listening to Michael Bolton and and f- fucking Phil Collins. I was like, what the hell was wrong with these people? Yeah, it. this song is, I mean, I watched this music video and I was like, man, this is really weird music video. It's Michael Bolton does not look attractive in it at all. Like he has this like terrible like mullet hair and Was he ever attractive? Was he did the ladies like Michael Bolton? I think once he went to like a shorter haircut and he like embraced like his like being older, like he became more attractive. Um but yeah Yeah, this is kind of the awkward phase where you're getting older but you want to look younger. I guess. <laughs> um, Listen, I wanted to. I wanted to point something out here. Those are two complete pile of shit songs. That's Phil Collins and fucking Michael Bolton, and these are the number one songs in America. And I just also want to point out, at the exact same time, Tremors only made sixteen million in the box office. So let that sink in. People's tastes in the '90s were all fucked up. Is really my point. To be fair, Tremors came out in January of of nineteen ninety, and as everyone knows, who knows anything about Hollywood, January is like the worst month for movies. And it's exactly time, the exact time when all these bad, not bad, but all these like campy horror movies come out is in, is in January. Like that is a good point, but it does not excuse the number one songs of America being Michael Bolton and Phil Collins. That's true. Um, I mean, America's white. What can I say? Like, this is, this is like, yeah, this yeah. Is, well, this yeah. this music video is so fucking terrible. First of all, it looked like it was shot in the afternoon at like Michael Michael Bolton's living room. <laughs> it's like it's like the same room with different lighting, and it's the same like three sweeping shots. Like they start in the lower left corner and they sweep slowly to the top right. They start in the lower right and they sweep sweep slowly to the top left. It's the exact same footage, poses, and shots the entire music video. It's such a bad, poorly done. Somebody, let's do this tomorrow afternoon because I'm flying to Vegas that night type of video. It is such a piece of shit. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't say anything else about it. I never listened to this type of music anyways when I was a, no. a kid. We were listening to I bad Michael 90s Jackson. Lo- I don't even know what these are, like bad 90s love ballads. Like, what is this genre? I mean, yeah, I guess it is like bad. It's just like, I don't know what you call this. It's it's pop music, but it's just, I don't know. I don't like it. Um <laughs> so let, let's let me get into a little bit of the production history. Uh, the director of Tremors, Ron Underwood, who also was part of the story, um, so he was credited with story by. Mm-hmm. So directed and part story by Ron Underwood. Also directed one of my all-time favorites, City Slickers, which I think is a fucking amazing movie. Very similar flavor of Tremors, actually. The setting in the desert and the same kind of quirky humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also did Mighty Joe Young, which is a pretty good movie um, with a uh, young Charlie Theron, yeah. which was also like n- late 90s, like 98 yeah. or so. And B- Bill, and, Bill Paxton um, too, right? Say that again? Bill Paxton and Mighty Joe Young, RIP. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bill or uh, Brennan loves Bill Paxton. I love Bill Paxton. <laughs> um, and the movie Trimmers was written by the team of S.S. Wilson and Britt Maddock, who... In reviewing, like, I, I, I don't want to talk shit because they're they're screenwriters and they're way more accomplished than me. And they wrote fucking Tremors, which is probably cooler than anything I'll ever do in my life. But their other work was not very good. They did, like, Short Circuit, fucking Wild Wild West with Will Smith, which is one of the worst movies ever made. They did Ghost Dad, which is a terrible fucking movie. And they wrote all the awful Tremors sequels. Well, they had to make money somehow. Um 
<laughs> it's like, they, but they were given the keys to the trimmer's car and they turned it into these sequels, which I want to get into. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, short circuits, I mean, as a eighties classic, I would say. And so it's that's bad though. It's, it's not it's, good. Boy, it has a really, I mean, and it has a, one of the most worst characters in movie history is a white Steve a, Gutenberg, <laughs> Steve Gutenberg, but the, the, <laughs> the Indian guy played by a white man playing an Indian character is like the, is it a oh, terrible? I forgot about him. I thought you were actually talking about short circuit, the <laughs> robot. Um, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, they, they did that. Uh, I did not know they did Costad. I want to go back to Ron Underwood and talk about how he did all these great, he did tremors like, and then he went on to city slickers, which got some one, one, an, like won an Oscar for best supporting actor. It was nominated for best motion picture, like all this stuff. Like, um, he also did another movie in 1993 called Heart and Souls, which I don't know too much about, but uh, it's with a, ro- a young Robert Downey Jr., which also was nominated for multiple awards at, um, in, for, or I guess Saturn Awards. But, like, he did a lot of good movies. And then he just kind of disappeared after he'd made um, Adventures of, Imp- of Pluto Nash. Pluto Mash. Pluto Nash, um, which is a terrible, uh, terrible movie. Is that, is that Eddie Murphy? <laughs> it's Eddie Murphy, yeah. He won. Oh, yeah, that movie's fucking horrendous like, there was a lot of hype for that movie and he won a razzie for worst director and then he, he made a couple other movies after that but he's had a long career of like being a director for uh tv episodes so. well just like i just said about the screenwriters i can't talk too much shit because this dude directed tremors and city slickers yeah I mean, which is I, that's too a, fucking that's, amazing that's a good career um what else about this? Like, there's a couple other things about this movie that is interesting. Like, you, like they used a quarter round of ammo on set for authenticity. Authentic. Oh my gosh, can't say that word. Uh, right. So you know how like there was the tragedy with Brandon Lee and blanks. Mm. So Brandon Lee, the star of the Crow, Bruce Lee's son, famously died near the end of shooting the Crow on set mm-hmm. by pulling a gun to his own head and firing it, and the blank went through his head into his brain because it was still strong enough to penetrate at that range. Mm. And there was something else about, there was something else about action ammo they were using on the crow. Mm. So it like fired when it was like, there was some other problem with the kind of rounds they were using. But anyway, movies use different kinds of rounds for different kinds of effects. Yeah. On this set in Tremors, they used quarter rounds, according to Reba McIntyre, which is like a really small bullet. I think of it as like quarter of the gunpowder. So you you still get like the cool splash when you like shoot something, um, but it doesn't have like the intensity. Anyway, <clears throat> so that was kind of cool. They didn't use blanks. They used quarter rounds, which yeah. I thought was interesting. And luckily no one was shot. I mean, the Brandon Lee thing haunts Hollywood to this day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's just awful. Brandon Lee could have been like the next Jean-Claude Van Damme or something like the the crow. I should set, I should set the bar higher than Jean-Claude Van Damme actually. Um, He could have been, he could have, well, yeah, I mean, he was Bruce Lee's son and he could have went on to amazing things. Yeah, for sure. Well, and he was like, he was fun. He was charismatic. Like he was so good in the crow. And I don't know if you ever saw um, big trouble in little, excuse me, showdown in little Tokyo Mm -mm. with Dolph Lundgren and him. No, I haven't. I, I, I should go. I've never seen the crow. So that might be a movie we could watch uh, and do it, do on our Super 90s brothers, and uh, but not as like a nostalgic, but as like a watching it now. <laughs> um, yeah, the crow's pretty good. Um, so anyway, l- let's move on to the sequels yeah, of Tremors. I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Yeah, me because either. I don't, I don't know them very well. But I have seen part two 
a handful of times. And part two is watchable. Part two has um, Fred Ward and Michael Gross, Burt Gummer mm-hmm. in it. And the two of them like go to Mexico to hunt tremors. What sucks about it is the trimmers, and this is the this is like one of the worst decisions I can think of any movie franchise ever. The trimmers worked. These big underground monsters that you couldn't see but could could hear you and chase you, that monster worked. For whatever fucking reason, they decide to change the monsters in the sequels. Like in Trimmers 2, they're almost like these little dog versions of the trimmers. Like they have feet and they like have radar. They have like infrared radar, and that's how mm. they find you. Yeah. And they sort of run around on two legs. They look like they look like monsters from this popular um, video game franchise called Oddworld. I don't know if you remember the Oddworld games. Yeah, for sure. They, they look like those things. I think they were called slogs mm-hmm. in Odd, Oddworld. And they don't work. It's not scary. They're like little dog monsters. You can shoot them. You can see them. You can, I don't know, that you can trick them. You can bait them. It's just not, they weren't like the other thing. And, and I was going to say that, I never saw any other the other sequels after that because they were all like straight to video. No, they never get good reviews. No one ever likes them. They're like they're pretty much like bad sci-fi, like Sharknado level. Yeah, and I think I think it's such a fucking disgrace because the original Tremors was so good. How did this franchise tank so bad when so many other horror movies have endured for so many generations and have rebooted and brought back the same shit again and again with with varying levels of success, mind you? But Tremors has had no success. I mean. I, yeah, that's weird. I don't. I mean, I guess it's just because they. I don't know. I mean, it, it must be because you, the the stick for it being the isolation and like you can only do that so many, so many times. Like, no, I it's mean, not that you can't do isolation too many times. It's that they didn't do isolation in the future. It's like they weren't isolated. They chose willingly to, to travel to Mexico to hunt these things. Yeah, that's not isolated that's not terrifying you're you're a, you're a contractor at that point i think what they should have probably done with like sequels of trimmers is it should have just been a new group of people that are isolated and it's like you don't bring back you know the same characters it's, just, it's i a, completely agree it's a new it's a new it's trimmers but they're somewhere else and it's a yeah and it's a new group of yeah. people and they're okay. all if you're, gonna br- if you're gonna bring back people from the original you have to bring back kevin bacon and when kevin bacon says no you can't bring anyone back well, I mean, I imagine that's why the second one just went straight to video is because, you know, there was no star power in this. It was Fred Ward and But but, but they should have gone with what you said. Yeah. Recast it. Get new people, a new Tremors setting somewhere. There's other isolated areas that Tremors could attack people and it could still be a fun, cool story. Yeah. But you've changed the monsters. You've retained lesser stars and elevated them to new roles that don't always fit. Yeah. And... And then the sequels after that were like, they were so unimaginative and so cheap. And I, as an aspiring screenwriter who grew up on this movie as like his favorite movie ever, it's sort of like my dream to get to like help reinvigorate Tremors. Like how cool would it be to like write the Tremors remake and have it back in the forefront of an awesome, like full-fledged monster movie that people talk about and not a fucking sci-fi channel joke. Yeah, I guess I will say like they they get they, this movie. I mean, I guess we'll get since we're talking about it, we'll get into it. Like they are tr- they they did try to remake this movie. Like or not remake it, but recast. Um, sorry, I'm not saying this right. Um, they it was going to become a TV series like in the 2015. Like and Kevin Bacon was attached to reprise his role. They even shot um they even shot a pilot for it, and it was going to go to Am- it was going to go to Amazon Prime, and then they didn't want it, and then they went to Sci Fi, and 
like they had a showrunner for it and everything, and they filmed it, and then five, and then Sci-Fi passed on it. They passed on the pilot. Like, God, how bad must it have been if Sci-Fi passed? Like, fucking Sci-Fi ran that shitty zombie show Z Nation in Spokane for like six seasons. <laughs> uh, like so, everybody Brent and I know has been in that show or likes that show, talks about that show. Like, have you ever watched that show? This show's not good. No, it's not good. Uh, yeah, so I mean that, but I like mean, our friends are in it, so we support it like right. publicly, and and it, we think it's really cool that people we grew up with got to be on like a sci-fi channel. I do, and my and the guy that I was mentioning earlier, Jerry Shario, I'm pretty mm. sure he was in Z Nation at some point, and other people that were in Manhandlers were in it. Yeah. So I I don't mean to talk shit. I'm just saying it's not like sci-fi is running Oscar-winning programming all day. You right. couldn't make room for trimmers. Yeah, and they they shot a pilot with Kevin Bacon in, and and sci-fi didn't pick it up. I, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I'd like to watch that pilot. How do you watch pilot? Me too. Is that, does that? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how that stuff. Th- there's rights issues, so I think it gets buried. Mm. I would just like. I would just like to see that the the pilot. Um, Me too. So, I would say that. I mean, I don't. There, there's a lot of dumb shit in this movie, or in Tremors. I mean, the one thing there is are like the, the sequels. What's that? The sequels are dumb. The, the sequels are dumb. Um, and them being named, they they don't have a name. In the first oh, oh yeah, the, the name. I gotta get to the name. Yeah. In the first movie, Walter Chang and that shithead Jacoby kid are like sitting around kind of joking around about what to name the snake thing. Mm. And one of them says like snakeoids, and then Walter Chang says graboids. Mm. And it was like sort of a joke in the first movie, and they never call them graboids. It was just something that Walter Chang said. But in the later iteration, especially in part two, they start referencing the monsters as graboids. And it's such a dumb word. It's why, like, yeah. Why did it call them trimmers? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, or something. But fucking monster, call it a fucking monster. An underground, like, graboid is such a dumb word. It just sounds like something a seven-year-old would think is funny. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, anyway, so that that's all I really want to say negatively about the the show trimmers because, as you guys could tell, I fucking love it. I just, yeah. I think it's almost a perfect horror comedy. Yeah. And um, in, in lieu of doing a dumb shit section today to end the show, I thought we might introduce a new and fun segment that we had the idea for a few episodes ago when we did our Friday podcast. And that new segment is called Bye Felicia. Bye Felicia. So in this homage to Friday, Brennan and I will each ditch one character from this movie and we gotta we gotta discuss a little bit about how they would do to make up for it, and then we say bye Felicia to that character and they are out of the movie. Okay. <laughs> Is there any any like does it have to be it has to be a pretty big you can't just like get rid of like the little girl. The dog. Yeah, the dog. Like you can't like it has to be someone real, I feel like. Yeah, it does. And since Tremors doesn't have all that many characters, we're probably we're probably gonna go with the same person. I'm guessing. I um. Do you do you have someone in mind? Because I definitely do. I have someone in mind, and it's a main main okay. character. Well, so it's okay, a pretty well, main character. All right. On the count of three, we'll both say ours. Like okay. I'll say mine, and you say yours right after. Okay. Okay. So one, two, three. Rhonda. Rhonda. Yeah. Yeah. I I think you can get rid of Rhonda because she, like you said, she she's in kind of lets everyone know what's going on. Like there's tremors happening underground and they were trying to figure it out, but like you couldn't get rid of that character because you're going to find out that these tremors, ex- like these, these monsters exist without her. And, and I don't think they really do anything with her. Like, I don't I mean, I, I don't know if there's a, I don't remember if there, cause I didn't finish the movie. I just there's watched not a love story not a love per story. se. Yeah. There's some attraction between Val and Hurl. And at the very end, they kiss. 
Oh, okay. Which is which is about as much of a love story as I ever want in any movie ever. Yeah, like, and, and I'm fine doing even without that. So yeah, I think they could get rid of her, and um, they could get rid of her, and they could just you know have it yeah. just be have it have no like sex appeal in it, and just have it be Val and Earl and uh, the Gummers and uh, and uh, the that's it. Like that's what that's that's still the same movie. I agree. So. Uh, to Rhonda LeBlanc, Brennan and Adam have one thing to say to you, and that's... Bye, Felicia. Oh, do you want me to play a drop? Here you go. Yes, play the drop. I don't want you to say it. <laughs> um. <Man. laughs> and get, sp- just so everyone knows, Brennan's supposed to be like the techie producer type of I, the two of us. I'm, like, just, I'm supposed to be like the loud, obnoxious, on-air personality, and he's supposed to be like the producer. We, we've done 50 episodes, and I, we just started using drops like five episodes ago. So, you know, I'm getting used to it. All right. I'll let, I'll let you off the hook. So uh, anyway, it, the most memorable thing about this franchise with me was the originality of the monster mm. and the originality of the way that the characters deal with the monster. Yeah. You know, you could make a hundred zombie movies and in the end, it's all kind of the same, right? They're all kind of trying to shoot them in the brain with mm-hmm. a gun or a bow and arrow or something or hit them in that brain with a crowbar. It's it's a similar act and a similar solution to solve the problem. But this is a completely new monster. They had no idea how to fight it. They had no idea how to kill it. And they had to improvise and be resourceful along the way to get it done. And that, more than anything, I think is what makes this a great rewatchable movie. Yeah, I uh, totally agree. I, I mean... I I haven't rewatched. It's not a rewatchable movie for me, but it's just a movie that sticks with me because I watched it when I was really young. It was probably one of, probably a pretty. I was probably one of my first horror movies that I watched as a child, and I remember watching it with my dad. My dad loves this type type of movie, and it just reminds me of you know a, a Friday night at home watching a movie with my dad on the couch. Like at, that's how that's how it's memorable for me because it's just like when you think when I think of '90s horror like movies, I I think of tremors like it's a it's definitely the penultimate horror movie from the no 90s. no that's not that's not how you use penultimate i think he does that to fuck with me because he knows i'm like a word stickler <laughs> i totally do it to fuck with you uh but yeah all right well that's not what penultimate means but i know what you mean <laughs> so anyway we both love tremors and we love you guys and you can lo- if you love us not physically but if you love us and our podcast, you you can help us out by giving us those bomb ass five star reviews on iTunes, Apple Music, like us on Facebook, share us on Facebook, email the show at super ninety brothers gmail.com, reach out to us at Bropo Mode, at Super Ninety Brothers, at Adam Pitzler. We'd love to interact with you guys. Be like Adam Lang, get get pizza, get your shows on the air, be a stud, get hot girls probably. I don't know Adam that well, but I'm sure he does because he's just so fucking cool. Yeah. And uh, we love you guys. Do you have anything else to say, Brennan? Yeah, you should go write a what do you what do they call those scripts? Like a spec script on uh, for Tremors. And uh, yeah, you, you know I would. I'd love to, but th- without owning the rights to something, it's 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 almost a waste of time because mm-hmm. unless you knew somebody that owned the rights to Tremors that you could show that script to and have them actually consider it, you're you're doing something that you can't legally do. Like you you can write it, but you can't make that movie. Yeah. With, without someone else's permission. So yeah. you, the thing is you could, you could write the best script script in the world and sell it to some, or convince somebody that's the best script in the world. But if that person doesn't own the right trimmer, doesn't you're going to end up getting declined by the sci-fi channel on a pilot, like Kevin Bacon did. <laughs> Do you I mean, I think they could remake this movie and they could oh, totally, they could up the, they could really up the like level of production. Yes. Like this could be a, 
uh, uh, without using like this could be a Spielberg movie, like but not Spielberg. Yeah, put this in like a real. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. For put sure. it put like thirty days a night. You know that town in Alaska where they're all isolated. Something like that, where it's like a real town, but it's still I still yeah. can't get away. There's more people and there's more equipment and like thirty days a night meets Trimmers, like Trimmers in the Snow, like remade with a full full budget and big actors written by me. It's my fucking dream. Yeah, let's do, do it. You should do it. Do it. I don't know. So anyway, <laughs> we love you guys. This has been another underground, you know, tremor, earthquaking, seismologist bitch episode of Super 90s Brothers. We love you guys. And uh, reach out to us. Yeah, do it. Reach out to us. Peace. Later.